Insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. We couldn't do diddly, poo, offensively. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, we're all, all, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. Rush is back. Final hour. And appreciate it, Coach. Um, summing up the OU men's hoops game on Saturday. You notice that, was that frustrating, we man. can only play Jim Mora after a loss. And never after a win. I've scout- I've looked all over the internet for a positive Jim Mora clip to play after a win. Yeah, haven't found one yet. I don't think it exists. What was the guy's name? Scout Stowers. 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 Yeah. Stowers. Yeah. They cut Stowers before they came to camp. He's all star for us. What does that tell you? They didn't want him in Kansas City. He's a star of the day for the Saints. Yeah. One of my favorites. <laughs> What's that tell you? Yeah. Poor guy catching uh, shrapnels, not even anywhere. doesn't have anything to do with the conversation. <laughs> I like when he's talking about practice. Oh, greatest practice ever. Best practice here. Uh, he's clearly, you know, uh, that's why I chewed their ass out for 10 minutes after. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, I hate how that game unfolded. For the Sooners, um, you know, there was so much promise early, and I held on. You know, it's like I don't know. Tell me, is this team really good? Everyone told me that they were. I don't like. How does it happen that you fall this far off, or was it we? Like, the the tough thing about the Big Twelve, and we know this. This isn't the first time we've seen it. Because the coaches are so good and the teams are so good, if you have a flaw like that you can't fix, these teams are good enough to find it. And once they find it, it's just kind of repeated week after week, you know, and everyone's going to really put you in that tough spot. And I kind of feel like that's what's happened to this team. But I don't know. For whatever reason – in, in, you know, I know it's confidence, and there's probably a bunch of factors. It's not just one, but we are not – the thing we were talking about that was different about this team is the way they ran and how athletic they were. And the way these games have unfolded, it's robbed them of that. And you don't see it hardly at all anymore. I know what you were saying about the Big 12. I mean, you were essentially saying that we see the grind of this conference every single year. We do. I think this year is a little different, though, 
I mean, you got Kansas State who, I mean, if you want to go by the overall record, they're 12th in the league right now. They're mm-hmm. tied with Cincinnati, OU, Texas, UCF at 4-5. and five. But just we're, we're like, Kansas State could be looked at as the 12th team in the conference right now, and they're only two games behind KU and Houston who are leading the league. Yeah. Like, we're we're no, nine games true. in. It's just crazy that and I don't think the teams at 4-5 and five are going to win the league. It's just it really is just a grind in this conference, maybe unlike we've ever seen before, where the teams I'm, at the bottom are still only like two games back. That's true. That's true. Whenever you look at it, you know, the two teams at the top are, are six and three, but there are, right now, there's what? There's five teams that just have three losses. Yep. And then there's, you know, everyone else is kind of right there in that five and four to four and five category. So, I mean, that is, that is a fair point that I hadn't thought of, you know. We I'm not, like no, I'm not trying to use world. that point to excuse Saturday's loss. I sure. mean, I, that's no, not, I in you. no way am I trying to relate those things. I just, it was more of an observation this morning, like, geez, it is like really packed tightly here, like from yeah. the top all the way down to the bottom. Well, it feels like it's been the end of the world the last couple of weeks for the Hoops team, but they're two games out of, you know, they're two games up behind Houston and Kansas. So now. I, all that being said, the schedule, the the front half of the schedule, is far friendlier than the back half of the schedule. Back half of the schedule is brutal. So, I mean, they're going to have to get things turned around. I mean, yeah. plain and simple. I I that is a great point and a fair point, and it's meaningful. But they still need to play better basketball. Oh, they 100%. they have to. The, the last good basketball game I felt they played was. Uh, the road win at Cincinnati is the last time yeah. where, like, oh, okay, I, I felt they that was a good performance on the road. wasn't perfect, but y- you know that, that, that's a pretty good performance overall. And that's right. been what four games of you know just not not playing good ball. We do the must win scale every single game. I'm going to put both these games this week at a nine. BYU at home tomorrow. Oklahoma got Oklahoma State at home on Saturday is probably a ten. Yeah. But it's like you—you you gotta go two and zero this week, man, because you're going the next week. You're going to Baylor, and then you play Kansas at home. Two yeah. very, very tough games, you, dude. You gotta go two and zero this week. You got to. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see much of a way around it, because, and who knows? Like you can go on the road and beat Baylor. I, if if they find something, this team can can compete with anyone it's just it's been a while since it's felt like that but after these two games it's gonna be hard to find anything i mean going even going on the road to play at oklahoma state we have not been good uh porter has not been good against oklahoma state even though they are really down and you know and you know they're going to be a different version of themselves in that game and i i'd like to sit here today and be way more positive and, and way more optimistic about things moving forward. And I think I can get to that point again. But JV and McCollum is going to have to start playing better basketball for me to, to get there. And I think that's why I'm kind of so down on things right now for this team is that their best score just came off a game where he was 2 of 10 from the field and 0 for 5 from 3 and just had 8 points. Like, that's yeah. that's not going to do it. And he's just he's running into a stretch where – 
he's having a hard time hitting shots and, and, and scoring. And that's just that's not going to do it in this league, man. JV and McCollum's got to look like the guy that he looked like in the non-conference in the early part of the conference schedule. Now, we can sit here and debate if that's going to happen or not, but he's going to have to regain form if this team's going to make a run here. Yeah. I Is it – I mean, you kind of you kind of are who you are at some point. I mean, you can improve throughout the season. You can you can find some extra focus. You can maybe tinker with lineups. You can maybe introduce a you know new version of your offense or defense. But I mean, for like for the most part, you kind of are who you are. I. I but what what can Porter Moser introduce or do to get them out of their funk and maybe bring back some some speed and motion to their game? I, I mean, if is team, there anything? If teams are going to make them, you know, play in a half court offense, I don't I don't know the answer to that, man. Other than just start start hitting more contested shots and wide open looks, I, I don't I don't know yeah. what else you can do. But I, I am interested what the text line just thinks about things currently. Like, what are just your overall thoughts about this basketball team? You think they're good? You think they're capable of getting right and winning some games here down the stretch? Like, what? I just like because I'm with you, man. I, I've watched this team now for 22 games. That's a really good sample size of a basketball team in college hoops. Right. 22 games and nine Big 12 games. But I'm still left wondering after a game on Saturday like that, like, what is this team? Like, what, like, how good are they really? Like, I, I'm still trying to figure out this team on a game in, game out basis, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I kind of agree with that. I mean, you'll see absolute flashes of, like, no athleticism running the floor. You know, Jalen Moore gets going and he's dunking and looks incredible. Looks like an NBA player out there. And then there's, it's the half court offense that's just that's just so stagnant. And I don't know, I don't know what to attribute that to. Is it? I mean, is it the system? You know, Porter, whenever he had the most success, you know, he had the big center. What was that guy's name? Up there at Loyola, Chicago. Oh, my gosh. He ended up staying at Loyola for that last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll come to me in about 30 seconds. But go and ahead they, with the point. But they, they worked through him, which is a is a slower style of play. Um, Cameron Crutwig, that's it. Crutwig. And, you know, we talked about it whenever – and he was he – was, he would push back on – when when asked like, "Hey, your teams have always been really good defensively," you know, he would push back on that and would talk about offense too. You know, and it feels like they've gotten better defensively, but the offense is still it, it's really lacking in the half court. And I wonder if that's just if there's system issues there. Like we don't we're not we don't have the right personnel for the system that we're running. I I don't know. Let's uh, let's see what we got here. Craig in Cleveland says, "I fear that we're closer to missing the tournament than making a Sweet 16. If that happens, then Porter's job should be in question. I don't want that, but I'm afraid we're near that point." Yeah. You really start having that. Like, if you go 0 and 2 this week, and I don't think that they'll go 0 and 2 this week, but if you do, that's when missing the tournament, like those real conversations, start to yeah. start to begin. But if you go 2 and 0 this week. 
then I'm not saying that you feel like everything's turned around and you're back to heading to the Sweet 16. But if you go 2-0 and this week, you got to start feeling really good that you're at least going to make the tournament at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that is the reality. You, you just... I don't know. We've been through some ups and downs for sure as a basketball program, but you know, missing the tournament three years in a row—that's not good enough. It's gotta, been a while. You got to be, one, you gotta be one of sixty-eight. Yeah, Jason from Garland, Texas. Same song, different year. Poor half-court offense, overcoaching the offense. No ingenuity or changes in structure or strategy. Can't recruit at a high enough level to compete in the Big Twelve with Moser style. Eh. I don't know if I'd go all the way on all of those points. Uh, 918, we're just not a very good basketball team when you only have five of 16, three-pointers and 15 turnovers. I'm trying to stay engaged. They are making it tough. Yeah. I mean, it's it, – that is, unfortunately, that is the truth. It's, it's hard to stay engaged. And, like, it's one thing – it's one thing whenever – if you're losing games, you're losing tight games that are fun to watch because there's shot making, there's energy, there's athleticism, they're up and down the floor. But it's another thing to, you know, to grind it out shooting 40% from the floor, you know. It's not always a super appealing watch whenever you're – it feels like – if you fall down by 10 or 12, it's impossible to come back. And I know that's not the case, but it's the feeling with with how sluggish the offense has become. On a lighter note, someone did text in earlier. Uh, we're talking about $2 beer night tomorrow night at the LNC. Yeah. And when we were in Provo, they handed out delicious ice cream. I didn't try mm-hmm. the brownies, but they handed out brownies as well at the end of the first quarter. Someone was suggesting that. We hand out free beers to their fans at the, in the yeah. first half to repay. repay That's it. nice. <laughs> That's really nice. That's thoughtful. Thanks for coming to Norman. Here's a couple $2 beers. Yeah. Have at it. My, my treat. My treat. Yeah. So how good oh. are they? Not BYU, OU. How, how good of a basketball team are they? It's. It's hard to say, man. Because, like, just like you were pointing out, you know, for example, Kansas is tied for the conference lead. They're six and three in conference, and they're eighteen and four overall. I mean, we're two games back of that, and we're sixteen and six. We've got two losses more than them, and you know, I don't know what Kansas's non-conference looked like. It, it was probably pretty difficult, but. And I'm not suggesting we're on the same level of Kansas, but I don't know what middle of the road in the Big 12 is, honestly, compared to everyone else. I really don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I could, I could honestly see that. You know, we're four and five in conference, sixteen and six overall, overall, but legitimately a a top 40 basketball team, like yeah. solidly in the top 40, but I don't know. Poor Houston. You know? Yeah. Kelvin, Kelvin's never won at Allen Fieldhouse. He was favored to do so on Saturday, which I I hope a lot of I hope a lot of people around here said, huh, 
Bill Self a home dog? I'll go or I'll go ahead and bet on that. But geez, Kansas shot sixty eight point nine percent from the field, forty six percent from three. Houston had no chance. That'll do it. No, I I honestly I would bet that we haven't shot fifty percent from the field in any conference game this year. And I don't know if that's true. I'm just true trying or not. to before I, I'm not going to go back and check all nine games. That's too time consuming when we're up against the break. I'm just trying to think of the game where that may have been the case for some reason. Let me go back to Iowa State and look. No, forty-seven percent. Yeah, that may be the closest. West Virginia, yep. they played well that one. Forty-nine percent. Dang, getting close. Yeah, we can round up for that one, can't we? No. Hey, at least yeah. they hit free throws on Saturday. Yeah. You know, making progress at 18 to 22 from the line. Yeah, one thing at a time. Eventually, we'll put it all together. The uh, the only problem is 18 to 22 from the line, good. But maybe don't let the opposing team go to the line 32 times. That's right. problematic. Right. Oh man. You know, in that that game against Tech, 85-84, that that was pretty good. 47.5. Yeah, I don't think we have. But, you know, I don't see a whole lot of people against us that are doing it either. It's so. happening tomorrow night. You watch. 51% yeah. from the field. Boom. In a two-point win over BYU. If we shoot 51% from the field, we might win by 30. Unless they shoot the if lights out because OU's right. defense hadn't been that yeah. great here recently. That's yep. got to get fixed as well. All right. Let's hit a quick timeout. Keep hitting the text on 651-3439. We'll be back hanging out in Newcastle. You give to the V Foundation, 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing cancer research. Victory over cancer is there for the taking by you. Donate at V.org because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. The Showplace Theater is the best place for live music. And with some of the best acts around. Ryan Bingham with the Texas Gentleman, April 19th. Kip Moore, April 20th. Chelsea Handler, May 3rd. I was with my brother the other day and I said, why are you even a parent? I said, you're not very good at it. (laughs) And Brantley Gilbert, May 10th. Riverwind, the Metro's best casino experience. Landmark Fine Homes is a custom home builder in Oklahoma City. Our commitment is to build energy-efficient, custom-quality crafted homes around the metro OKC area. If you are looking to build your first home or last, Landmark Fine Homes is the builder for you. We have many floor plans to choose from, or bring us one that you already have. We have communities throughout the metro where we will build on your lot. Call 405-347-5991 and let Landmark Fine Homes help turn your dreams into a reality. I've always had tremendous respect for, for Baker. Um, he's a fighter. He's a he's a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, you know, he's a guy that motivates people. You can tell that just by any team he's been on. You know, you can tell guys rally around him and like enjoy playing with him. And uh, I think that he's a guy that um, you know we all have ups and downs in our career and are faced with adversity. And that's how you handle that and how you keep pushing forward. And he's clearly a fighter and. You know, he's, he's showing the world what he can do. So I, I absolutely loved uh, watching. Unfortunately, we had to be on the tail, uh, tail end of it, uh, the end of the year, but I uh, definitely loved watching Baker play this year. 
Jason Kelsey, multi-time first-team All-Pro, talking about Baker Mayfield over the weekend. Excuse me, Pro Bowl Offensive MVP Baker Mayfield after Mm -hmm. he was named that yesterday. I've told you a couple of times now that I actually watched the Pro Bowl. I think that's the first time ever I sat down and watched the Pro Bowl. Were you the same way, or did you just catch the highlights of Baker throwing Um, it around? I watched a little bit of it. Uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. Caught the highlights. Um, but I, it's, I probably should have waited and watched the end of it where y'all kind of, it was awesome towards the end. Yeah. There was a controversial call where Baker essentially scrambles for a first down, but they say that he was guarding the flag. So there was a penalty. So they tried to get the ball to the AFC, but he was past the stick and Peyton and Eli are questioning the call and the clock's right. Yeah, it was, that part was interesting. Yeah. I was watching it for content. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, Baker's not playing. I'm not watching that. But it was for sitting down and watching a Pro Bowl, it exceeded my expectations. Right. I'm glad he won the MVP, offensive MVP. I thought it was going to go to CeeDee Lamb, who had three touchdown catches. Right. Well, I'm just, I'm just thrilled to see Baker continue to have some good headlines, good publicity. You know, I think his his uh, his contract deal's probably going to get done sooner rather than later. I'm sure, they're working on the details as we speak. Probably going to be around thirty million a year or so. Yeah, I would awesome, imagine. Man, that's awesome. And um, you know, he's back in people's good graces. I think he's he's got. It feels like for whatever reason the. The haters out there, because whenever you're kind of flamboyant like Baker was in college, and you're gonna you're gonna develop some haters, right? I think all of those people have softened on him over the years, and even started to to pull for him some. So, I think that's good for him, and that's meaningful when it comes to contract negotiations. Yeah. yeah if if you've got a player that is viewed positively by fans that watch the sport. That's that's a good thing for sure. Johnny H his first Pro Bowl I've watched since eighty was first in the game. It was surprisingly fun. Yeah, they do like yeah. uh, challenges, different things after each quarter, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's a whole competition throughout what four days essentially. It's not just yeah. the game, like how they determine the winner. It's precision passing. There was a tug of war, a dodgeball game. It was four days of just random things. I think there was even a, a golf portion to the AFC nice. NFC challenge yeah nice. closest to the pin well it, it's about all they can do with it you know it's just it's not I you just you're not going to get guys after a 20 game season including training camp and preseason to go out there and sell out for a Pro Bowl game to make it worth people's time it's just it ain't going to happen it doesn't matter how much you pay just it's not going to happen. So, doing some stuff that the guys can have some fun with. It's low impact on the on their bodies. It's probably going to be the best thing that they'll be able to come up with. I told Teddy to look at uh, five star safety Jonah Williams in the twenty twenty five class, top ten player nationally. May end up being the top rated defensive player in twenty twenty five. Six foot three, two ten. What would you find? Yeah. Uh, he looks really good. Now, 
it's kind of hard because he's <laughs> he intercepts so many passes that are just kind of winged downfield that uh, it's really hard to evaluate evaluate like cover skills and how he is in space and stuff like that but he is big he is physical and he can run all right i don't know how like what his his quick burst looks like but as tall as he is he's got a long stride and when he is at top speed he can fly he looks i mean he looks pretty daggum good to me yeah well he looks pretty dadgum good to the recruiting services as well. Rivals has him as the number nine overall player, and there were uh, a few crystal balls, future cast predictions that rolled in for OU over the weekend. That's interesting. So there seems to be a pretty uh, positive thought there about how things are going for OU and his recruitment. Well, that's not a shock. You know, it is – and I know these things get get really get rolling early, but – Man, in the NIL era, it's hard to feel good about anything until signing day rolls around. No isn't it? doubt Especially about that, a, man. There's late uh, offers that are thrown in. Oh, absolutely, for sure. A, a player like this is—it's it, never going to end with collectives and staffs calling to have him talk to collectives. Because they've got an NIL opportunity for them. I mean, like, just think about Missouri. They're going to be... $62 million from the uh, cartel just rolled in this week. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to be in the conversation on every top player because of what the NIL package they've got right now looks like. And, you know, you know we talked about the Big Ten and the SEC having this little joint, you know, uh, get together to talk about the future of college football. Like I think, over the next two, maybe three years, we're going to see some massive changes. Until then, the Wild West is going to continue. So the real arms race over the next two years is going to be NIL stuff, and I think teams are seeing the writing on the wall, and they are going to pull out all of the stops to try and fund the best roster that they can put together yeah. and capitalize uh, Mizzou and Ole Miss trying to capitalize off their good years, you know? Yep. And I, I mean, I, if it's legal, I, I could totally understand their, you know, decision to do so. Let's go all out. Let's try to continue this. Let's try to keep this momentum rolling because they yep. haven't and had much momentum with their football programs over time. This is their chance. I'll say this too, though, you know, Oklahoma is going to be doing the same thing. So, you know, they're, their NIL situation is going to be looking much more aggressive um, over the near term than maybe we would have imagined uh, six months, a year ago. Uh, they did get a commitment over the weekend. Well, that was yesterday, I guess. Ryan Fojay, six foot five, 275-pound offensive lineman from Bridgeland, oh, Texas. Really? Yeah, rated as a three-star, but has only played uh, he's only played tackle for one year. But okay. he had a Texas offer, an A and M offer, a Mid-Zoo offer, a Tennessee offer, a USC offer. So I think a lot of staffs look at this guy and said, "Okay, well, he hadn't played offensive line for very long, but the upside here, we like that." But he decides he's uh, going to commit to OU over the weekend. So nice get for old Beatonbow. As I see it right here. The University of Oklahoma has 
10 commits already for the 25 class? Top five class. Wow. We got a couple of uh, high four-star wide receivers from the state. Um, Dude, 25 in state. I'm sure you've heard Parker and I talk about it a ton, mm-hmm. but – I mean, it is a major storyline because I think the top ten players this year in the state is as good as we've seen it in a long time. And OU's doing a really nice job there. Or what? I, they have six of the top ten already committed. Yeah. And they got another prediction this weekend for C.J. Nixon out of Weatherford. So they may end up getting seven, eight out of the top ten. And this 2025 in Oklahoma is really, really good. Really good. Tell, tell you me like the, the you like the wide receiver from uh, Dakota that you saw uh, last well, year. He's the yeah. number one player in state. I haven't seen I haven't seen um, a whole lot of him, but you know, it, usually it doesn't take a whole lot. Like you, you can make a pretty good judgment of what a guy really is off of a, a handful of plays, and he he looks like a dude now. He's I mean I. He's not an outlier physically. What's he probably? 6'1", uh, 183 is what he's listed. 6'1", 185 pounds as a wide out. He's still young. He'll he'll gain some weight, maybe get a little bit taller in there too. He may be a 6'2 guy by the time he shows up. But he's got like, – he kind of reminds me of what CD looked like whenever he first showed up. I've heard that comparison, yeah. It's like he's – the ability to go up and get the football just is it, it looks it looks really really good and it stands out amongst the crowd. So yeah, I, I like you, from what you I've guys seen, heard like it here first. Elijah Thomas, the next CD Lamb, just like CD, he will get the ball in space and somehow make five six Texas defenders mm-hmm. totally miss him on the way to the end zone too. The old spin out, yep. That was a sure. hell of a play. God, I mean. I don't. I, I don't know if you have to attribute some of that to effort on Texas side, maybe. But CD standing in the middle, there's like four dudes around him, and then it's almost like you're going to tackle him, right? No, I thought you were going to tackle him. Well, you're not going to tackle him. He just runs past the ball for a touchdown. What's the latest on the Sperry kid? I mean, nothing bad. I don't. I mean, he seems pretty locked into me. No, I'm just. I'm just curious, like, because I haven't seen him in a long time. Like, what? What's his development look like? What have people said about him? What what type of season did he have last year? He had a really year? good year. I mean, they ended up winning the state championship uh, this past year. I think uh, what's he he's rated as a four-star right now and the number three player in the state. I think that's where he'll probably end up because Nate Roberts and Elijah Thomas are so good. But there's no shame in being the number three player in the state this year. That, that's kind of the point of how loaded it is. Right. I think if he if he were to have a chance to elevate to a five-star – it's probably going to have to be he's going to some seven-on-seven stuffs, you know, this summer where a lot of, you know, different scouts are for some different recruiting services. Like, that's probably where he's going to have to make his hay if he's going to end up being a five-star. Gotcha. He's, I mean, he's really good. Really good. Yeah. You, what's the feeling on Nate Roberts? There's Ohio State predictions in. Um, Ohio State, OU, and Oregon are probably the three. It feels like Ohio State probably leads right now, but his brother plays at OU and he lives, what, 20 minutes away from the facility? Yeah. So it just doesn't feel like OU's ever going to be out of it. Well, uh, if they're not, then <laughs> that would be crazy. Because you said that 
Like I'm looking at 247. I don't know if this is composite. They got C.J. Nixon as the number one player in the state. Um, and then Tristan Hayes. Tristan Haynes, yeah. Haynes. He, has he committed to Oklahoma? Because uh, it has him as 100% no, on No, he's, he's undecided as of right now. I, if you were able to, to get those two guys, I mean, you pretty much have all the top ten players it'd be, in the You'd state. be nine out of the top nine if yeah. you get, yeah, along with C.J. Nixon, sure. Pretty wild. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left here from Newcastle Casino. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. The Gimme Zone is back in 2024. Join Golf Digest panelist Brian Vineyard and myself, Josh Elmer, every Saturday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Settlement. As your trusted consultant, Brown O'Haver can give you peace of mind and make sure you're getting what's yours. Call Brown O'Haver today, 405-735-5510, and make sure they're working for you. There is a fun question out right now on our Twitter and Facebook page. The at uh, on Twitter at KREF Sports Twitter, the Ref Sports Radio Network. The question is rather simple. Sooner fans, who's your favorite OU football player from the '90s? And over the next few days this week, we'll go by a decade. We'll do the '80s tomorrow, early 2000s at some point. Um, but we got the '90s out today. Mine is Steven Alexander. S.A. is my favorite player from the 90s. Who is your favorite player from the 90s era at OU? Um, which I love Steven Alexander. How could you not? Was lucky enough to be teammates with him in Detroit. Got to know him real well. Um, I would probably say Kelly Gregg is number one. Um, and then after that, my, I liked Aubrey Beavers. I liked, uh, Travian Smith, uh, Cedric Jones was awesome. How about an offensive guy? Steven DeMond Alexander. Parker. Yeah. DeMond Parker. That's I, uh, the photo attached is DeMond Parker. Yeah. Breaking off a long run against Texas. Hard to not go with uh, with Demond Parker, um, because you know a lot of guys. I a lot of Mike Gaddis on here as well. Yeah, senior ninety one. I've 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 always heard how good Mike Gaddis was, but you know didn't know. Which you know I got to tell you, I to me it was all about like name recognition and like. Fuente and Gundy, like those are the names that I really recognize. And, um, you know, I don't know. There was, it's interesting. It, we, we just always scan over the 90s. And, you know, it's because of the win loss record. We all understand that down period. But there were still some really really amazing players during that era. Sure. Absolutely. Steven Alex- Alexander made a Pro Bowl when he was in Washington. I think that was in yep. 2000. <laughs> Kelly Gregg probably made Oh jeez, man. Uh, you kidding me? Uh, I mean, I don't know. He he played a he didn't play a position necessarily in a in a in the NFL that tallies up a bunch of sacks and statistics that 
you know, get you a Pro Bowl selection, but absolutely crucial to, you know, some of the best defenses in the early 2000s at Baltimore. You, you mentioned Justin Fuente and Cale um, Gundy as quarterbacks from the 90s. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember going to a game in 98. They lose to Cal by a point. And I think Patrick Fletcher started that game. He definitely played in, in 98. But Patrick Fletcher, a part of that 2000 team that won a national championship. I think yeah. that, that was his last year at OU, right? Yeah. I remember at the yep. celebration on the field, not at the Orange Bowl, but when you guys came back and had the celebration inside the stadium, that he was on the mic up there on the stage. 1950! 1955. <laughs> now he's screaming all the national championships, and then they just like took the mic away from him. Like, all right, get out of here. That's thanks, funny, thanks, Patrick. That's funny. Yeah, um, yeah, man. I there's a lot of good players from the '90s, and I think it's uh, I think it's something we ought to do is talk about those guys more, celebrate those guys more than we do. I know, you know, we we skip over it for. I don't want to say for obvious reasons, but, you know, because of the down period, we just we don't really talk about it. You know, it's wor- the, the world kind of started for what we talk about from 99 or 2000 on, and it shouldn't be that way. Now, I haven't asked my dad this question since, I don't know, it was like four years ago he told me this. So I haven't, I haven't checked back in since this past year's OU Texas game and the 2021 OU Texas game, but he always said the 96 game against Texas is the loudest he's ever heard of the Cotton Bowl. Louder than the Superman wow. play in 01. I mean, it, it, DeMarco's hurdle back in 07. Like, whatever. It, it, 96, James Allen scores was, was the loudest. And yeah. I'm just thinking of, you know, you think back to the 90s, how many times has OU Texas, how many times has OU won on the actual final play of the game? Kennedy Brooks scored with just a few seconds left, but OU still had to kick it off. That wasn't the final play of the game. Same thing this year. Now, they won on the final play in 2020 on an interception, but they won the game on the final play of the game in 1996. And that hasn't happened very many times in OU Texas history. It really hasn't. It really hasn't. Which is kind of a shock, you know, that it hasn't happened, uh, you know, more than – those are the only two what times I can about. remember, and maybe those are the only two times in OU Texas history that OU has won on the final play. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the early 90s are not as bad no, as no. a couple of nine-win seasons in there. 95 to 98 were – that's that's where, that's where it yeah. got tough. Yeah. And I think yeah. 95, even that year, didn't they start off? Um, didn't they start off? 3-0. and Yeah, and then they just, I mean, that, they, what was it? They didn't score like their final two games of the year? You had that season pulled up in front of you by chance? Yeah, they started 4-1-1. One, and one. They beat, they won their three non-cons, San Diego State, SMU, North Texas, uh, lost to Colorado, beat Iowa State, Tied Texas 24-all, and then They were a lost top 15 team in late October playing uh, top 10 Kansas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, lost to Kansas, beat Missouri, lost to K-State, and that's, that's I'm guessing, the year K-State started. Like, that's whenever they then first they got, got shut out. Rolling. Yeah, they got shut out their final two games, OSU yep. and at Nebraska. Yep, that's right. 
Uh, let me just read a few here. Gerald Moore from the 405. Ghana and Joseph and Gerald Moore for me, says Chili Water. Damon Parker. Reno Goat says Gerald Moore and uh, Martin Chase. Here's a Martin Chase. Ghana Joseph. Uh, Brandon Daniels. BD. Yeah, Brandon Daniels was he, – He had a big return in that 99 incredible. Notre Dame game, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, he was an incredible athlete. And, you know, a lot of guys that played with Brandon Daniels like still say that he was – he was it. He was the real deal. He was like, out of Ada, correct? That's right. Yeah, he yep. was a legend coming out of Ada in, in the 90s. That's right. Dave from Norman says, I've never heard a stadium louder than OU Texas 2021 on that Kennedy Brooks touchdown. Yeah. I, I've i never been louder than when Nick Anderson caught the touchdown this year, as proved by video that I put out immediately after. <laughs> Which was awesome. I love that video. That was so good. Yeah. So good. What's the loudest you've ever heard of stadium? I've, Any I've, stadium ever? Yeah. Um, Was it Manhattan, Kansas? That's one of them. That um, OU, loudest I heard OU Stadium, I think, was 2001 K-State. What, when Roy picked up the fumble and ran it back? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 2000 A&M was incredibly loud. Norman against Nebraska was incredibly loud. Manhattan was incredibly loud. Um, yeah, pro- if I had to pick one, probably A and M. But they're all like, once it gets to a certain point, it's hard to really yeah, differentiate I bet, what's louder. Like just continuous throughout the game, I bet A and M. They were trying for a sound record that day. I think they ended up getting it. Yeah. But that Jamar Toombs run was probably the loudest moment of the day. Good yeah. God. Yeah, and that game was great all the way until the like the last play, you know. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap things up from Newcastle Casino next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Jeff Lister here with Knippelmeyer Chevrolet. Have you been looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle? Spot for him. He has a Texas defensive lineman going just outside the top 15, number 16 overall to, uh, to Seattle. Now, I would have guessed, Who? oh, they think Tavondre Sweat's going to go that high. It's not Tavondre Sweat. Byron Murphy, he has going 16 overall to the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, Sweat did not look too good in the Senior Bowl. From uh, you know, I say Practices that, but, are the game. Practices, maybe that's not fair. The clips that I saw, like people were highlighting him and putting him uh on twitter like he was he was looking slow he was kind of looking out of shape didn't look like he had much of a motor um getting blocked but those are just snapshots maybe not fair to to take take that he didn't have a good week off of that so yeah murphy he's another big guy he was kind of in the shadows wasn't nearly as talked about but Another big dude that can play at the next level for sure. First round, well, sixteen overall too. Like, dang, yeah, we'll see. They got uh, Xavier Worthy going with the last pick in the first round of the Chiefs at thirty-two overall. Man, I don't know what the numbers look like, but there are from some of the 
the mocks that I've seen, there are a bunch of wideouts going in the first round. Yep. Drew from Flower Mound says, I might have missed y'all talking about it, but did y'all see one-time OU commit Bobby Witt Jr. signed a $288.8 million mm. contract over 11 years with the Royals? I did see that today, Drew. Good for him. They yeah, investing well, in him and his future. We had talked about that. Uh, I guess, did he have a really good minors season or something last year? I mean, I remember I him I being him in play. the news. I thought, I, I saw did he the, go up and play? I thought I saw the Braves play there in May. I thought he was up at that time. Maybe not. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. There was a two-hour rain delay, and, you know, certain <laughs> – Certain choices were made during the two-hour rain delay. So. <laughs> Not only did he play, he hit five home runs that day. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's good. Uh, well, one Big 12 uh, basketball game tonight, by the way. You've got KU at K-State. KU minus three and a half. 8 p.m. Okay. on ESPN. Worth a watch. Worth a watch. All right, you guys killed it today on the text line, as you always do. Even the Texas fan uh, chiming in. That was good stuff. We appreciate you guys. You drive the show. We're just along for the ride. You know what time it is. Ice cold Pacifico time. Closing time.